The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And good morning, everybody. This is Ray Hanania here on Wednesday, May 5th, 2021, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. in Chicago, broadcasting live on WNZK AM 690 Radio in Detroit and WDMV AM 700 radio in Washington, D.C. We're also streaming live on the Arab News Facebook page at Arab News at Facebook.com slash Arab News. Um, and we have a great lineup today um, talking about a very difficult topic of discrimination against Arab Americans. This uh, fall, the nation will commemorate the 20th anniversary of September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. After the attacks, Arab Americans and people who looked Middle Eastern or, were, or who were perceived as being Muslim were attacked. Nearly a dozen Americans, mostly non-Arabs who looked Middle Eastern, were killed in the post-September 11 hate vengeance attacks. And uh, since then, uh, according to the Pew uh, Research Instit- uh, Center and uh, the IS the Institute for Social and Policy Change, acts of racism have increased since September 11th. Um, Not that it began September 11th, but they've increased and there's been a steady rise in the number of attacks against Arabs uh, in America and Muslims, Christian and Muslims. We're going to be speaking with two leaders of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, ADC, Summer Caliph of uh, the president of ADC, and Abed Ayoub, who is the ADC legal counsel, about what the Arab American community experienced uh, over the last two decades and what we can expect and what we can do if you are the victim of discrimination. And in segment two, toward the end of the show, we're going to be speaking with reporter Dima al Khudair. She's a writer with Arab News who featured a new contingent. Uh, she did a story on a new contingent of security guards at the Prophet's Mosque in Medina. Uh, They're all women, and they're providing security assistance support uh, for women pilgrims at the mosque during the Ramadan season. season. She wrote an insightful story headlined, An Honor and Duty, Meet the Female Saudi Officers Guarding the Prophet's Mosque in Medina, uh, that appeared last week at ArabNews.com, if you want to check that story out. But first, we're going to take a quick break here at the Ray Hanania Show, brought to you by Arab News at ArabNews.com on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. And uh, we are streaming again on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arab News. I'm Ray Hanania. We'll be right back with our guests right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. 
Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to Life now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali al-Baghdadi and Fatty Bonham serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali al-Baghdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in our authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all seafood. CDC guidelines and is open every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcasts content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. Not that anybody's going to be surprised about my age, but I was there in 1980 when uh, Senator Jim Aberezek in Chicago, he came here to uh, talk about setting up this organization called the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. And uh, today I got to say that uh, the seeds that he put down um, have really blossomed. ADC, the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, is probably the most important and leading organization when it comes to standing up for the rights of Arab Americans and actually all Americans. I'm sure they defend everybody, their rights. We're lucky to have two of uh, the leaders of ADC, Samar Khalif, who is the president of ADC, and Abed Ayoub, who is the ADC legal counsel on the show with us to kind of talk about a, a, a topic that just never goes away. Samar Abed, thank you both, gentlemen, for joining me this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Ray. Thank you. And uh, this, uh, you know, 
A, a lot of people think uh, discrimination started after September 11th, but as we know, it's been going on a long time. ADC has been documenting uh, fighting and representing, fighting discrimination and representing victims of discrimination for many, many years. And you guys are at the top of that uh, pinnacle uh, with the fight. But uh, it seems like just I was looking at the Pew Research Center and uh, a study that Georgetown did. And I'm sure that maybe you guys can help us uh, understand this. The trends keep going up. You know, when you look at the data each year, more and more discrimination against Arab Americans, Muslim Americans uh, and not just uh, and not just Muslims, but Christian, Arab Americans, and anybody who looks like the three of us. Um, we're victims of that. Maybe, Summer, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how serious of a problem do you think we face? With, I know it's a serious problem, but is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Um, give us your perspective on that. Well, well, as you said, discrimination has been around for 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 a long time since the beginning of this country, um, and it's unfortunately something that's going to be with us for a long, long, a long time as well. Um, we as a community um, have been experience, experiencing uh, discrimination since we first uh, came to this country. Nine um, eleven sort of um, elevated it, it heightened it, um, and it made it more sort of violent. Uh, we know, uh, for example, that the, the, the first victim of a 9-11 backlash was actually against a Sikh American right. um, who was shot, sh uh, excuse me, shot and killed uh, in, in Arizona. Um, so, so what ends up happening is what we see is whatever uh, current events is occurring uh, will increase or decrease sort of the, uh, the discrimination or hate towards uh, our community. And that discrimination can take many forms. It's, it's not always violent. We always think of, you know, a hate crime as something that's, uh, you know, physical or violent. Now with the Internet, we're seeing a lot more uh, bullying, a lot more uh, cyberbullying against uh, Arab Americans, uh, a lot of it aimed towards our children. Um, so it's, it's sort of uh, evolved into something different, something new, a new way of, of doing it. Um, so, so that's sort of the, the bigger uh, issue that we're having uh, because of COVID, a lot of this hate went online uh, because people were isolating themselves does not mean uh, that the hate stopped. It just means it took a different form. Abed, does uh, the, the, in your eyes, do you see this really getting worse? I mean, are we, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary. First of all, it's hard to believe 20 years have gone yeah. by that quickly. Um, but, you know, after September 11th, it was horrible. You know, I remember uh, going to a store and somebody wrote painted on their mm -hmm. car. They felt compelled to paint with paint on a brand new car that said mess with an American go to jihad. And he couldn't even spell the words right. And I'm thinking, oh, that what is the problem here? Is it getting worse in your mind or are we seeing a. Uh, a positive change in the maybe a silver lining in this dark cloud. Well, thanks for, for having us here. Look, I think, you know, the answer to your question is a little bit of both. I, I definitely do feel um, it is getting worse. I, I think, you know, a lot of people look at the past four years under the Trump administration and think that this is a new uh, form of hate, bigotry and discrimination we've seen in this country. But the era of politics he ushered in um, or he unveiled started with 9-11 and then, you know, you began seeing an increase in the hate rhetoric. You began seeing it appear with our politicians. I often look at the Ground Zero Mosque 
in New York as the catalyst of event which really launched um, a lot of the Islamophobia and a lot of the anti-Arab sentiment we see today and a lot of the xenophobia started around that Ground Zero mosque that gave a platform to um, you know a lot of hate groups and, and, and really elevated the hate industry and ultimately led to the election of Trump which ultimately has led to um, now seeing open bigotry, open hatred against Arabs, against Muslims, against South Asians in our politics. So in our, you know, with our elected officials openly, you know, pre 9-11, you know, with Bush and others, you still had the pictures of the mosques. You still had the, you know, ceremonial things they did um, to try to keep things quiet. But I think that's that's gone. I think it's, you know, unfortunately for some people, hatred, bigotry hate crimes are accepted and sometimes even doubted, right? They'll say, oh, this is not real. This is false flag. The silver lining, um, a, a lot more coalition partners, a lot more support from other communities. Arabs are now at the table when it comes to, um, you know, drafting hate crimes legislation, when it comes to uh, uh, tackling hate crimes, and when it comes to, uh, you know, making decisions on what policies will be implemented, you know, to address this issue. And we're at the table when it comes to other issues that impact us as a community as well. So they have a little bit of the silver lining is that, you know, we're, we are at the table now and making I, these decisions. I remember uh, when it first started in journalism in the 70s, um, there were politicians who used us as a means of rising up. Uh, there was, you know, there were all kinds of discrimination. It wasn't as bad back in the 70s. They hated us, but they didn't feel compelled to, uh, in many cases to do as much to us as they're doing now. Yeah. But politics does play this game. I mean, some of the people that say they love us, you know, I mean, I, and I don't want to get into this political argument about Trump and uh, Biden or Clinton or uh, Bush, but, you know, one politician openly says it, another politician kind of says that he is against it. But we don't sometimes we don't see the change, really. The atmosphere may not seem as charged. Correct. I mean, things have changed since Trump left office in terms of rhetoric. But are we are they really helping? Are people actually helping us in government? You know, like uh, with the census, with uh, empowerment, including us, uh, all that stuff. Right. Summer, what do you think? I, I look, look, as Abbott said, there is sort of a silver lining to every to a, everything. Um, we have been more, we have been included more. Could be, could could that go further? Could the the administration include us even more? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, the for the most part, the president of the United States really hasn't uh, sort of recognized our community. They ha he he's done so on the down low or in little statements here and there. But when was the last time an American president has actually uh, addressed our community directly, uh, either by video or at one of our meetings? It, it just doesn't happen. But I also think that's uh, sort of a product uh, of, demo of our demographics. Uh, how many Arab Americans are in the United States, for example? We don't know. We right. don't have a good number. How many of us actually vote? Unfortunately, we know it's not a very good uh, number to, uh, when we consider how many people are in this country, you know, the percentage of people who vote. So so we have to also do a better job of making ourselves uh, more uh, more needed, more, uh, more crucial to, to, to their election. So that's what we have to do on our part. What they have to do on, our, uh, on their part is a little less of the sort of, uh, you know, uh, token... Uh, um, uh, showing up to our events, uh, that kind of stuff. Only uh, dealing with us during aid or during other holidays or even during tragic events. 
but uh, having more of a one-on-one uh, open uh, dialogue with our community, um, I think, I think is the other issue that we need to do. But you're right. I mean, um, we've gone a long way, but we have a long way to go as well. Is it our community sometimes? Uh, you know, I remember going to the movie and I'd see all the terrorists were all Arab and they all look like my uncles. They look like my cousins. And I would sit there and say, what do we do? Uh, my cousins became all doctors and engineers. I figured maybe I got to do something different, become a journalist. Do we not make that choice to, and that's kind of a sacrifice. You know, my parents were like upset that I became a journalist, but don't we as Arab Americans have to kind of make a sacrifice, really be better at English than Arabic, understand the American system, get involved more in American processes. I, I mean, do you think we do that as a community? Do we actually engage at the level we should be engaged at? Sure, and, and I do, and I wanna step back just one thing, you know, you, sure. you're, you're gonna have two types of discrimination. You're gonna have the rhetoric and the public discrimination, and that's quieted down um, since the prior administration has uh, left. At least the political rhetoric on some is quieted down, but we still see some of the public engage in it. And then you have the structural discrimination problems and programs that we have to work towards, uh, you know, dismantling and a lot of the programs that target the community. That's a longer fight. That's regardless of who's in office. We have to push back against that. Um, you know, look, as far as, you know, the, the, the you know, what the community is doing, I do believe we're engaged, but you kind of, you know, you're walking close to a point that we're working on and picking up at ADC. Um, and that includes, you know, the, the, the discrimination of like economic opportunities and opportunities in different fields. Well, a lot of people don't realize and something we've been working on is our professionals in almost every field do face discrimination and they don't know it. They're not given the, the opportunities to elevate themselves, whether it be in journalism, whether it be in the legal field or whether it be in the medical profession. Most of the time they're facing a ceiling. Uh, you know, most of the time they're forced to go back, whether it be to Chicago or Dearborn and open their practice. Um, you know, we get a lot of complaints from individuals that are not given those raises, that are not given those senior leadership positions, um, you know, at, you know, companies that, you know, do production or journalism companies. So we do see now the new type of discrimination we are seeing is this, you know, economic opportunities to elevate their careers. Uh, it's, it's, you know, close to employment discrimination, but, you know, on a, on a level where, um, you know, they're being denied the opportunity basically because of, of, of the race or ethnicity. So that's a big problem. That's something we are working towards um, trying to find a way to fix that. And you're right. We do need to see people in different professions. Um, and I do believe we see that. I think with the younger generation, you're seeing a lot more people involved in campaigns, involved in different fields, social media, um, you know, the development, software development engineers. I mean, we are um, actually in a week or two, we're having a panel at ADC of two you know, two Arab Americans who were involved in the in the Mars rover mission. So we are everywhere, right? Yeah. It's how do we um, bring these talents together to advance an agenda? And I think that's what, you know, the purpose of ADC is. But we do have people in almost every profession. Uh, but it's just, you know, coming together to advance an agenda or a singular item is, is where the challenge lies. What, what's And as legal director, I'm sure one of your jobs is to represent it, and I'm sure with the support of the board and Samar as the president, but get, can you give us an example of what was the, is there a worst incident that you've come across that was like so shocking that it was like, or are they, are they just come in two groups? You know what? Mildly the, terrible and really terrible. The, the, I, the shocking part of it is, is how mildly terrible they all are and how consistent in fact pattern um 
all the cases we get are. So you would expect you're going to get a case that's going to make headline news. But unfortunately, a majority of the cases that are coming in, whether they're going to be in California or New York or anywhere in between, they all follow the same fact pattern. And that kind of shows you um, the perpetrators of discrimination all think alike. They all think alike. So that that's the shocking part is how similar they all are. Whether And, and you know, in the past year, because of COVID, we've seen an increase in housing discrimination and how similar landlords are and how um, uh, homeowners associations are in their discrimination. Something we haven't seen in years past, we're, we're, we start getting these complaints, but, uh, you know, going after homeowners, going after tenants, not allowing tenants to use, uh, you know, whether it be the swimming pool at a facility or, or, or common areas or questioning them uh, uh, what they're doing on the property. We're seeing a lot more of this and it's just, shocking how similar they are not only with you know what arabs are facing but with the black communities facing with the brown communities facing and you know these these bigots all think alike so and summer we're obviously a part of the the basic flow of discrimination that exists in this country that mm-hmm. it, it's every yet we saw asians attacked we've seen uh, african-americans attacked we've seen hispanics whites attacked there i mean there is a level a group of you know a percentage um, but we seem to it seems like we get more of it uh, because there's only one organization, you know, maybe there are a couple. But ADC is you guys have a tough fight on your hand trying to confront this. How do we do it? What's the is there a solution to, you know, confronting discrimination? How do we do that? that that's that's the age old question. I mean, look, like, as I said before, discrimination has been happening in this country since the founding of the country. Um, it's just there, and and I think I think that's that may be sort of a a byproduct uh, of how this 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 country was formed. I mean, we were formed uh, by uh, people coming from all over the world uh, to this country for freedom, for you know, to avoid hate and to avoid uh, violence. But when they come to this country, they bring their own luggage. You know, they bring the uh, the hate they had over there. They bring the stereotypes they had. From wherever they came from they bring it here uh, and when they get here um that hate sort of sometimes manifests itself uh but uh but uh, look look i mean it's it's gonna be there um it's gonna be there for a long time we just as a community whether you know we're talking about the arab american community asian american community whatever community uh, you have to be persistent and you have to be vigilant uh and you have to understand that not all hate or discrimination is going to be the in-your-face type that's obvious. There is a lot of that that you may not realize is happening. Um, So, for example, if I were to apply for a job and I didn't get even an interview or a callback, is it because of my name? Maybe, but it's that sort of little slight things that that in the long term hurt us because it just doesn't give us the opportunity. The other problem that, that we as a community have um, is is that we're sort of becoming the, the, the silent minority. Um, a lot of us, for the most part, um, we look white. Uh, in fact, you know, we have this this argument within our community, outside of community. Are we white? Are we a, a, a community of color? Uh, we are a minority, but the problem is we're not a recognized minority by this government. Um, and that has sort of long-term and very uh, dramatic problems. For example, 
are small, we're, we're an entrepreneurial community. We have many small businesses. We create jobs when we create our small little businesses. Um, we are not entitled uh, to uh, um, the benefits of being a minority-owned business because right. we're not declared a minority. Right. So a lot of opportunities that we could have had during COVID, lo grants, low, low interest rate loans, uh, technical assistance that are provided to, for example, the Asian American uh, businesses are not provided to our, our, our community. And, and so that becomes a problem. So we've become this um, sort of uh, silent uh, minority um, where, where, where we're, 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 then we get all the negative of being a minority. We're discriminated against where we, we see the hate. But we don't get as much help as some of the other uh, my, uh, minority communities get. And so that's something that, that, that uh, we at ABC have been trying to sort of uh, to work, uh, to fight and work with the SBA, for example, the Small Business Administration, to, to rectify that. Um, and that's one of the concessions we did get out of um, um, uh, then-candidate Biden, current President Biden, was that they were going to take a look or, or, or a, uh, sort of study the issue uh, of minority status for, for Arab American small businesses. And they've been talking about that for 40 years. You're right. Including, including, including us in the census. They've been talking about it forever. Abed, any comment? I, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, but I didn't want to cut you off if you had something to say about that to add to it. No, I just think, you know, that touches on the new types of discrimination we're going to be facing. And that's going to be, you know, how do we get to support our um, you know, the, the economic viability of the community after COVID is, is on top of our agenda and taking care of our small business owners. Um, we realize in the past year, a lot of our small business owners have been hurt or a lot of our workers have been hurt. So we're, we are working hard to figure out how we can, you know, bring them into the fold and provide some benefit to them. All right. We're going to take a quick break here at uh, the Rayhan and Nia show on WNZK AM 690 radio in Detroit and WDMV uh, AM 700 radio in the greater Washington, D.C. area, streaming live at facebook.com slash Arab News. It is May 5th, Wednesday, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on uh, uh, rising discrimination uh, with two leaders of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, uh, Abed Ayub and Summer Caliph. I'm Rehan Ania. We're going to be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Enjoy the first Syrian-style cuisine in Michigan. At Damas Cuisine and Catering, you'll find a wide selection of Syrian foods and sweets in our menu, like frike, poise, grape leaves with steak, mashawi platter, hot mahashi, char-grilled kebang, shawarma, and much more. Get super-fast delivery from Damas Cuisine and Catering right to your door. Order online at damascuisine.com forward slash menu and track your order live. Damas Cuisine and Catering. 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248-987-4985. Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? 
Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji, and at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. Visit us at www.katranjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have to offer you, and I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F, or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back to the uh, uh, Ray Hanania show here at the U.S. Arab Radio Network, uh, sponsored by Arab News newspaper. Um, we are talking with uh, two leaders in the fight against discrimination, Summer Caliph, who is the president of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, and Abed Ayub the legal director of ADC. Their website, by the way, is adc.org, adc.org. Um, give us a, Abid, can you give us a, an example? There have been some recent cases that are just astounding. There was a woman in Florida who uh, some lady went up to in a grocery store and just started yelling about, you're a Muslim, you're a this, you're a that. Just what, comp I, I mean, I'm shocked. Can you? Tell, give us some examples of the things that we see out there in terms of, you know, uh, and people need to know this, right? I mean, it's terrible to hear these stories, but we, they need to hear it. When we say discrimination, sometimes they go, oh, yeah, everybody's discriminated against. I don't know if to our extent. What do you think, Abed? What, what are some of the cases you've seen? Yeah, you know, as I said earlier, they do range, you know, across the board. And there's the discrimination that you just mentioned, you know, being called a name, being uh, yelled at a store, you know, at, at, out in the public at a store. We've seen a few of those, quite a few of those over the past uh, year or so. You know, in the workplace, we get a lot of cases of people, again, um, not giving promotions, uh, being questioned when they shouldn't, um, and, of course, being denied accommodations, whether it be religious accommodations for both um, 
uh, you know, Muslims and Christians. We, we have seen that. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, Arab, Arab Christians who get, <clears throat> who get discriminated against by being called Islamophobic names. Um, we've seen, um, you know, we've had Puerto Rican clients who get called, you know, who were discriminated against. The employer thought they were Arab, so they make anti-Arab comments to them, but they still felt discriminated and called ADC for help. The housing discrimination claims, um, you know, increasing rent when they shouldn't increase it, asking for, you know, more security deposit when they really, you, you have no right to ask for it. Uh, making comments about, well, we know your type, don't, you know, they, you all don't pay rent on time. Um, denying accommodations to public areas and housing buildings, whether it be the pool, uh, putting up signs that say, you know, no hijab allowed uh, in the pool. Um, we've had cases where, you know, somebody working a, a common area asked the family, a mother and her three children, why are you speaking Arabic? Um, so there, there's, you know, the, the discrimination, it's, it's in your face. It's, it's there. It happens. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff you hear, you say, no way that's true. No way that could happen. But it does happen. There's a lot of ignorance out there. Uh, has it has it risen to the level of uh you know violence that we see you know with the african-american community in some cases where the police have you know stopped people and they just kind of go too far i, I don't think every instance is like that but there have been many where you, you just they just go too far and someone gets killed we have had we have had cases like that um you know within the past few years we've seen an more visibility to those cases we had a case at adc where there was a young arab man killed by uh, police in south florida a few years ago um and you know a, a lot of these cases unfortunately you're not going to hear about them unless they come forward and that goes with all discrimination unless there's a camera going unless you know we're, we're in an era now where unless there's a camera or it's on social media we're not going to hear about it um so those cases do happen Summer, uh -huh. is there is there an uh, instance where people don't want to believe it's discrimination, where someone is discriminated against and um, the authorities say, no, that's just, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with hate. Do we have to fight to have our discrimination recognized at that level, I guess, is the question. Well, well we do. Um, you know, we see, for example, that uh, in the last several uh, years um, or even decade, we see a lot more of uh, these hate crimes, uh, sort of hate crime legislations popping up uh, in various states in the United States, sort of sort of an enhanced uh, punishment if your crime includes a hate crime component. And what we've seen uh, across the board is a lot of uh, uh, law enforcement are reluctant uh, to investigate uh, crimes uh, for a hate crime. They're reluctant to look into it as a hate crime. So, for example, if an individual is uh, an Arab American is, is gets into a fight and is beaten up, um, and is being taunted while you know, and while he's being beaten up, he's being taunted uh, with racial slurs. Uh, we see law enforcement sort of reluctant to go down the route that this was a hate motivated crime. Um, you know, we, we had the Jabara case where, where, where the, uh, uh, the individual was actually shot execution style an Arab American for being Arab. Um, so at the beginning there was a reluctance to declare that a hate crime. Um, but they, but in those things we have to sort of be persistent at, uh, we had a recent, uh, incident in Nevada 
uh, where a, a family was gunned down and we weren't sure if it was a hate crime or not. You know, not all of these uh, acts of violence are hate crimes. Uh, we can be the victims of, you know, the run of run of, uh, run of the milk uh, violent crimes. It happens. Um, but we do see sort of that reluctance by law enforcement. Uh, one, to investigate it as a hate crime. Uh, two, to declare it a hate crime. So we sort of uh, at the ADC and the lot that Abbott does is sort of over, uh, keeps an eye on these investigations. Uh, we're not demanding that they all be declared hate crimes. We're just asking law enforcement to look into that angle and to, to rule it out uh, you know, through, through evidentiary process. Is that a struggle, Abed, to get that done, you think? Is it, a- it is a struggle. Um, it, it's a struggle across the board to get hate crimes reported and hate crimes counted. And I think any of our partners will tell you that, you know, with the Jabara killing that did lead to the, uh, you know, the, the, the Jabara Hire Hate Crimes Act, which... Uh, you know, made it a little, added some more pressure for um, counties and municipalities to report hate crimes. But we're, we're still seeing an underreporting um, of hate crimes. And I think that's something all our communities are facing. All right. We only got a couple minutes left. And uh, first of all, I appreciate you both uh, coming on and joining us to talk about this. And we could go on for hours. I think one of the problems is we don't have enough uh, Arab Americans in media. I, I'm convinced that. If we had uh, Arab America on every newspaper, two or three, um, a lot of these stories would be focused on more. They'd be taken more seriously, but we're still struggling, even in the journalism field, just to get our seat at the table. Um, But any final thoughts, Samar and then Abed, about um, what people should do if they're the victim or uh, things that you feel are real important that you want to leave with the audience uh, before we say thank you? Well, I, I want to pick up on one thing that you brought up and you just mentioned, this, this issue of, of getting our people uh, in the right professions at the right time. Uh, one of the issues that we have historically is that with our, our depiction in Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, you know that, that, that as you said earlier, we're always depicted as the terrorists. Um, and, and, and a lot of that stems from the fact that we don't have the Arab American storyteller. Um, that all these sort of uh, stories are written by white males, and that that that, that holds true for a lot of minority uh, uh, minority uh, uh, communities. So it's important that we get people within Hollywood uh, to, uh, who are about uh, Arab, Arab Americans writing about Arab Americans, um, and that's something in ADC that we've been trying. We've been working with Disney to get more more Arab American writers on board. We just recently uh, worked with a couple other organizations to sort of uh, put together a, a cheat sheet for uh, uh, Hollywood uh, writers to get them to understand who, what our community is, to sh- show them what the stereotypes are, to keep them away from that, and to sort of have them talk about um, the stories that we, that we want them to talk about. Um, that's that that's the true representation of our, of our community. I think I think that's important. We need to get people in journalism. We need to get people in you know writing in the entertainment field and working in the entertainment field to show a, a new sort of face to our community. Any final thoughts, Abid? Look, if you feel you've been discriminated against, contact us. Reach out legal l e g a l at adc.org. We take cases from anywhere in the country. If you even have a doubt that it was discrimination, you're not sure still reach out because oftentimes you may be discriminated against and not know it and we can help you resolve it. 
All right, listen, uh, Summer Khalif, president of ADC. The website is adc.org. Abed Ayub, the legal counsel at ADC. Um, thank you both for, I, I know this subject uh, really deserves hours. One day we're going to have a radio show that, that's going to be like mainstream. You know, when I first got hired in journalism, they thought I was Italian, okay? I should have let them think that because now I'd probably have a 10-hour radio show by now. Anyway, listen, thank you, Summer. Abed, again, it was very kind of you to join us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank All right guys. This is Ray Hanania here at the Ray Hanania Show in WNZK AM. Uh, 690 Radio and WDMV AM 700 Radio in Washington, D.C. and in Detroit. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with our next guest, um, uh, Dima El-Khader, who's going to talk to us about a story that she wrote for Arab News, which I thought was phenomenal, which reflects the rise of women, uh, rights of women in the Gulf, um, where they're seeing more and more freedoms in Saudi Arabia, uh, thanks to the leadership there. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Ziad brand quality products from our family to yours Ziad brothers importing offers the finest quality products including brands like sultan craft nestle hook rico picon donna and many more ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best for more information visit our website at www.ziad.com that's www.ziad.com Ziad quality products from our family to yours. Wearing a mask is more than protection. It's a bridge to better days, the path back to celebrations with family, nights out on the town with friends, game days with your favorite sports teams, and the thrill of live concerts. But until we can all get the COVID-19 vaccine and build community immunity, which will take time, we all need to continue to stay careful because Michigan's recovery is depending on you. And so are your family, friends, and neighbors. So even after you're vaccinated, wear a mask, avoid large gatherings, and social distance. One day in the near future, we will all be able to put this pandemic behind us. But until then, spread hope, not COVID. Learn more at michigan.gov slash coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. When you're looking for the best in optical care, Dr. Imad Nakash is your doctor to see. With years of experience and thousands of successful procedures performed, you can trust your eyes to Dr. Imad Nakash. See Dr. Imad Nakash and his professional staff for your eye care needs. There's two locations to serve you. In Hazel Park, call 248-336-3937. 248-336-3937. In Rochester Hills, call 248-299-3937. That's 248-299-3937. 
The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And remember, this show that you're hearing now will be rebroadcast tonight in Detroit on WNZK AM 690 at 5 p.m. So you can hear the whole show if you missed part of the segment that we did on uh, anti-Arab discrimination in the U.S. with the uh, two uh, uh, Summer Caliph and Abed Ayub from the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. Now I want to welcome our next guest, Dima Al-Khadir. She's a writer for Arab News. Um, she featured a new contingent of security guards at the Prophet's Mosque in Medina, who are all women and providing security, assistance, and support to women pilgrims at the mosque during this Ramadan season. Ramadan Kareem, uh, Dima, thank you so much for joining us this uh, morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You wrote a great story headlined, An Honor and Duty, Meet the Female Saudi Officers Guarding the Prophet's Mosque in Medina, which is in Arab News, if people want to read it at ArabNews.com. It, it was really an inspiring story to see women take the role of equal status at every level, and this is just another example of, of this. Tell us, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the stories that you've written about as a woman journalist. Yes, um, so uh, I've been happily working with Arab News for three years, and I write for the local desk. So anything interesting happening in the kingdom, I'll be on it. Uh, some of my favorite stories include um, the, the children's story, uh, you know, during the, the pandemic last year, we were all uh, upset about the lockdown. So I wanted to find a way to make light of the situation. Uh, I interviewed children. What do they know about the coronavirus? And I laughed through the whole article. Uh, they thought it was some green monster that's going to turn people into zombies. I, I loved that article. So and it gave us it lightened the mood right in a very depressing time. Last year was a terrible time and we're still struggling to get out of that tell us about this story that you just wrote about the uh, female saudi officers what what was that story what's so unusual about it so um it, it's mainly the general theme is uh, the inclusion of women in every sector but we're highlighting uh, their role in the military sector um so women ha have been enrolling in the military for about three years now um but uh, for them to be noticed in the two holy mosques is still relatively new. Um, the, f the female security guards in Mecca uh, joined about last, uh, last Hajj season. And uh, most of these women that I interviewed in the Prophet's Mosque in Medina told me that they've uh, been, been working for six months there. And is there, is there some special... Uh... Uh, background that they need, some special training. Uh, tell us about how they became guards and and describe some of the women that you met that you spoke to during the story. Uh, as for requirements, um, 
all they need to be is healthy, uh, reach a certain height uh, and a certain weight, overall uh, fit and healthy. Um, they received firearm training, self-defense, uh, learned about fitness, and they took courses in Islamic studies, computer edu education, and uh, English courses to, to speak with foreigners visiting the mosque. Anything men went through, they received the same training. And there's a, there is a change under uh, the uh, 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 Mohammed bin Salman in terms of his policies over the last few years to give women more rights in Saudi Arabia. This is one of those examples of, uh, of what they've seen. How did the women feel about it? I mean, to be able to do this, there, there must have been a sense of pride for them that they're able to do exactly what the men do on the other side of the mosque. And I have the perfect example for you. Uh, so all of these women felt very empowered. And one of the women I interviewed uh, told me that um, her whole family uh, has a military background. Her, all of her brothers are in the military. And this job position made her feel included. Uh, she felt right at home. And, and uh, it, it must be a sense of strength to you know, to be able to uh, do, to wear the uniform, because I think previously, correct, you were explaining to me that there were women at the, and men and women obviously pray separately at the mosque, and in the women's section, there were women aides that were present there, but now they've, it's been elevated with training. As you mentioned, they carry, uh, they can carry guns for protection of everybody there. They have more training uh, they have uh, very distinct uniforms too. Yes. Um, so the the women who worked before them, um, they were wearing modest dresses. Uh, for example, like the one I'm wearing right now. Um, they they help out the visitors in anything they need. For example, if someone's phone was stolen, they they could uh, come to them for help. Or if a woman needed medical assistance, uh, they would call uh, the medics for her. Uh, simple stuff like that. Uh, but the female security guards are prepared for uh, bigger situations. And, and I think you even had an experience there when you were there. Uh, and this, there have been a lot, and I can only imagine with so many people being there, especially during Ramadan, um, it gets very crowded and it gets very uh, intense. Um, and very hot, I'm assuming, and, you know, warm. So uh, a lot of people probably they're dealing with uh, medical issues, but you had a minor little incident too yourself. Yes. So I had a brief um, health uh, issue during, uh, during my visit at the mosque. Um, I was uh, taking a tour, uh, familiarizing myself with the area, getting to know these women, and my blood pressure fell just a little bit and uh, i just placed my hand on my forehead they all looked at me they, they immediately knew something was wrong they acted so quickly uh they brought me a chair uh, and i had to break my fast then and there just to get my blood pressure up um they called the medics for me and uh they were by my side the whole time they didn't leave me alone uh, not for a second did I doubt if I was in good hands. They even escorted me out uh, of the mosque. They made sure I was okay all the way out. And as a woman, that must have given you a sense of pride that, you know, these are women actually yes. doing this at a higher level. Uh, that And they've had the talent and qualifications 
always. It's just so nice to see it come out now. Yes. Um, honestly, I'm so proud of them myself as a Saudi woman. Um, and throughout my job as a journalist, I witnessed uh, all the changes the, the, the kingdom went through. Um, for example, I, I interviewed female athletes, uh, big businesswomen, and uh, other interesting high ranks. Um, so this was very special for me. I was so excited to interview, interview these security guards. And, and any other stories or, uh, that you're working on that, that, uh, that really stand out for you, that you really enjoyed? I, I know the one with the children, is uh, that's a great story because you're right. Um, how, you know, we take it so serious and we get concerned and we get angry, but then to see these little kids, how they view it, it just makes us, puts it in a right context, doesn't it? Are there other, tell us about any other stories that you've been working on that uh, you've written for Arab News. For our uh, listeners to uh, maybe look up and and read and enjoy. Hmm. Well, uh, during my first year, um, as you know, I have a soft spot for children. I, I love interviewing them the most. Uh, I interviewed uh, the seven-year-old gymnast, and she wants to become uh, a Saudi athlete when she grows up. So you could look that story up, uh, and it's very endearing. <laughs> And, and what kind of reaction do you get from the readers? I mean, do you actually hear from readers? I mean, for example, I, I heard that the, the story that you wrote about the women, female Saudi guards, the photos of them went viral on social media. It was just, it was so moving and inspirational to see them. Uh, they actually uh, contacted me, they messaged me, uh, thanking me. They were so happy to be uh, represented in the way they deserve. And as professionals and, and doing everything. And I saw that photo every place that was in the paper. It was like everywhere. You couldn't miss it. And people were looking and going, okay, why is it so special? It is special. It, yeah. it is really a big deal. Any uh, final thoughts at all or anything that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about, um, you know, during the interview? Um, uh, that's all I have. That's, that's okay. I know you're a journalist. You know, one thing about journalists is we document and we write the story. We don't actually become the story. So don't, 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 don't feel. Well. This is your first time on uh, radio, too, correct? Yes. All right. So we are contributing to that. Uh, everybody is equal uh, uh, movement. Um, Dima, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a real pleasure talking with you. And I'm going to be looking for your stories in Arab news under the name Dima. El Khader, uh, our writer and guest this uh, morning on our segment two uh, portion of the Rayhan and Nia show. Dima, thank you again. And Ramadan Kareem. Thank you. And I think, it, and also if I'm not mistaken, again, I apologize, I'm not Muslim, but they, uh, the Eid al-Fitr, I think, is next week. That's the big uh, Eid coming up. Yes, early. yes. All right, and blessings for that, too. Although I hope it's not too early to say that. I no, need it's to learn fine. all this stuff. I need to learn it all. Dima, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. We, we'll talk to you again. Uh, that was Dima El-Khater. She is Khader. She is a uh, writer for Arab News. Uh, she featured a new uh, a story on the contingent of uh, security guards at the Prophet's Mosque at Medina. Uh, they're all women providing security assistance and support to uh, women pilgrims at the mosque it's one of the two big and most important mosques in uh, islam 
And the title of the story, if you want to look it up at ArabNews.com, is An Honor and Duty, Meet the Female Saudi Officers Guarding the Prophet's Mosque in Medina. Um, I'm Ray Hanania. I'll tell you what, I, I just want to remind everybody, there's so many things that we do here that uh, with the support of Arab News, our, uh, we have the Facebook page where you can obviously go and watch this live if you're not in Detroit and the greater Detroit region, which includes uh, all of Michigan and Ohio, and if you're not uh, uh, in the Washington D- in Washington D.C. itself, you can watch and listen to the show uh, in Virginia and also in uh, Maryland uh, and pick it up over there. Um, and we also podcast. We have a new podcast that we are running. So if you go to ArabNews.com/slash Ray Radio Show. Uh, you'll be able to pick up all of the podcasts of all the shows that we've done. Thanks to the producers that helped me out, Jad Batar, Max Semmel, who uh, really do a great job. Uh, this seems easy to sit here in front of a microphone, but it's not. There's especially with all the technology that we have to do. So we do. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch uh, the uh, videos of these radio shows, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think about these, so you can email us. Um, and if you want, you can email me at ray.hanania at arabnews.com, um, or you can go online at arabnews.com. I want to hear your feedback. Uh, I know that there are a number of people watching out at fa- on uh, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash arabnews. Um, thousands, as a matter of fact, have uh, been watching the uh a live broadcast, and that video will be at the Arab News Facebook uh, page uh, for you to watch later on if you want to watch the show uh, where we talked earlier about discrimination and uh, against Arab Americans in the U.S. And that applies to anybody, uh, Arabs who visit from the Middle East, who come to the U.S. Um, they need to understand that it's, you know, it's like everybody. We're, we are, I think we are singled out a little bit more because of the news and the way we're portrayed in the media, um, but that much is being done, including by the guests that we brought on from the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. Um, so I want to thank all of you for joining us here uh, and listening to us. Um, we're going to be back next week on Wednesday. We have two shows that we are working on, uh, one addressing the U.S. Census and the challenges facing Uh, Arab Americans, should we be uh, listed in the census? Uh, The census gives us power. Should we be listed as Arab? Uh, I know some people want us listed as MENA, Middle East and North Africa, which personally I don't like. I'm an Arab. I'm proud to be an Arab, and I want to be listed as an Arab. And if you're not listed in the census, you do not get the financial support and grant support from the government for your community. So being listed is significant. It also determines uh, our political empowerment because they have to create districts, uh, congressional districts, to represent us and those people that are listed in the census, but Arab Americans are not. Anyway, listen, I want to thank you for joining us. It's uh, Ray Hanania. Our website, again, is arabnews.com slash show. I hope you'll stop there and check out all the assets and all the other things that you'll find at arabnews.com. I'm Ray Hanania. Have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. in Chicago, 3 p.m. in Saudi Arabia. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye.